Nation, and welcome to the show. It is David Isaac and Candace recapping an unbelievable instant classic game five. The Memphis Grizzlies win on a last-second shot. When the game is on the line, you know who to call. And he showed up. We called 12. He got it done. Memphis Grizzlies win 111-109. I think I already said that. I have no idea. I just remember being hyped. All the way home. I had to drive a long way. I'm, I'm working out of town this week. So I had to drive four and a half hours from Memphis after the game last night. And it gave me enough energy that I was good to make that four and a half hour drive until 2.30 in the morning. And then bad news, when I get to the hotel, the game is on the TV, the replay, and it's in the fourth <laughs> quarter. And I'm like, man, I got to watch this. And I watched it again, and I couldn't pass out till after four this morning. So I'm running on fumes. These guys might have to carry me. What's up, everybody? Man, it' fantastic game. Uh, like I said, man, I'm sure if they had lost that game, man, it would have been a tough, tough drive, man. Uh, but but they were able to pull this one out. And you did not want to go to Minnesota down on three two. I mean, that's not that this team can't win a game like that because we've seen how resilient this team is, man. You just go back to game three and the way they battle back down 26 and 25 respectively and able to come back and win that game. So if any team could go on the road and, and, and win a game six and beat this team, but that's not a not a situation that you want to be in. And, and you check the, the stats over time and since they've gone to seven games. Uh, I can't remember exactly what the number is, but the the, the higher seed, if they win game uh, five, the, the probability to win the series is extremely high. I think it's like high 80s. Um, and percent the team that they want. I think only a couple of teams have ever done it. Uh, the, the lower seed being down 3-2 um, in the best of seven series. So that's, I mean, they, they need to win this game. Uh, I mean, it, it didn't look like they were going to do it for a while. I mean, injury at the beginning of the game was great. Uh, great energy. Uh, we talked about one of the Grizzlies come out and get a get a hot start. Minnesota's been getting out these great starts. And you just seems like the whole series, the Grizzlies have been pushing that, pushing that rock uphill and, 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 you just want to see them get out of the good start and jump on top. It looked like that was going to be the case. Jump out 13-2. to two. Uh, You got two quick fouls on Carl Anthony Towns. You're like, man, we're going to blow him out of the building. Um, and then Jaron Jackson Jr. gets the two fouls, uh, offensive foul on Cat. I think he fouled a, a three-point shooter. Ends up going out of the game. And from then until late third, early fourth, it, it was not pretty. I mean, just couldn't knock down free throws. Two of, two of, two of seven. I mean, the crowd just couldn't get in the game because every time the Grizzlies seemingly had a little energy, had a little spurt, they'd have a bad possession. And Minnesota go down and hit a three, call into town, just some, some big-time threes in that game. I hate giving them credit for anything, but he, he was a monster. Uh, he was a load in this game. Uh, but the Grizzlies were able to pull it out. I mean, time and time again, the Grizzlies have only led in 27% of the minutes in this series, and they're up 3-2. That's how wild this series has been. I mean, this – I thought this was going to be a fantastic, fun series to watch, and it hasn't been that, man. It's been taxing. This series has been taxing emotionally. I mean, the nervousness. I mean, Grizzlies have been been up against it, and, and somehow we find ourselves up 3-2, man. And you look at the numbers, and you wouldn't think that was the case, but 3-2 is 3-2. Uh, when the, the games aren't over to the final buzzer sounds, and the Grizzlies have won three of them, man. So one win away going back to Minnesota. Uh, hopefully we don't have to, to come back to Memphis close this out. Hopefully they get it done on Friday night. Yeah, first team in NBA history to um, win multiple games in a series when being down by more than 10 points in a quarter. Uh, that's never happened before. So this team just continues to uh, prove its resilience. It continues to um, show how special it is. And 
Uh, it just shows, it goes to show the mentality of this team. The mentality that this team has is a mentality that can win championships. They've got a lot of work to do in terms of adjustments made, in terms of um, shooting. And I'm sure we'll talk about that here a little bit later on. But they've got some adjustments to make in, in terms of making it happen. But the will, the sheer will of this team and the continuity of this team, it, I think, can take them far. It's gotten them 3-2 in this series, despite all odds. This team can can, is used to fighting against the odds, and that's exactly what they do. And it may not be comfortable, but it's it's at the end of the day they get it done, and and that's been the story all year. It continues to be the story, and I I think that it's a good sign. It's a good sign for Grizz Nation, and it is a good sign uh, for it's good to just see a see a team represent what a lot of this community values too. So, so I've got to ask you guys something here. Right now, if this series ends, John Morant made that shot to win the game last night. Ends the game, 30 points, 13 rebounds, nine assists. Do you give yeah, John almost Morant – Almost triple-double again. Yeah, like, like knocking on the door. Do you give John Morant the most valuable player of this series? No, to me, that's, that, to me, that's Brandon Clark. To me, that's Brandon Clark, I think. Uh, Brandon Clark had 21 points. Um, he had you know, 15 rebounds. He was just critical. Um, and he had three assists, but but he was just critical. In fact, I don't think Jai gets those second chance points. We were able to win on second chance points tonight. Uh, we had uh, looks like we had 23 compared to the Timberwolves six, and that had a lot to do with Brandon Clark. Uh, Brandon Clark had seven offensive rebounds and in the fourth, fourth quarter alone. Yeah. Ten overall he, rebounds. And, and, and that was a small lineup. They were going small, but Brandon Clark was the only big on the floor. And he was just doing what he had to do, kind of gritting and grinding it out. I think that goes to, to, to Brandon Clark to put it to, to help put John in the position to, to win the game. Cause there were a lot of putbacks um, that Brandon Clark had, you know, opportunities that, that John just couldn't make until, I mean, he, my, John made it when it counted and uh, it got us to win as a result. But I give the MVP to Brandon Clark for uh, even getting us in the position to be there. Yeah, I, 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 hate, to, I, hate, to be, I hate to be boring, but I, I agree with Candace. I think Brandon Clark, definitely, I think the entire series. And Ja was a closer last mm-hmm. night, but but Ja would have been in that position and the team would have been in a position to come back and win that game if it wasn't for Brandon Clark. As you said, seven offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter, 10 overall rebounds in the fourth quarter, 15 in the game. Uh, just fantastic. I mean, you just talk about some of the big plays I don't know if that was Tyus or Dylan that missed that three, and he got the tap back rebound, tap back out to Ja, Ja knocked down a big three, and that's the point where I really felt like, okay, they can do this. This might happen. Uh, before the end, it was kind of like, okay, well, they're going to make a push, but maybe they can't get all the way back in it. When he knocked down that three, I was like, all right, man, they're going to do this. I feel like they can win. That was a big play. Just so many big plays in that fourth quarter, keeping balls alive, uh, just just clutch baskets himself uh, in, in that fourth quarter. And he's been doing this all series. And honestly, I'm not surprised that I said coming into the series that he was going to be huge for this team off the bench because his energy that he brings is just fantastic. And, and, and when he scores, it's easy offense. It's not plays that you have to run and try to get these to get these shots and try to scheme it up. I mean, he gets offensive rebounds. He has that little floater that he can get pretty much any time he wants to. And when your offense is struggling to score, just like we saw last night, he was a guy that was consistent and able to get baskets. And, again, they don't even come close to winning that game last night if it wasn't for Brandon Clark. And, again, this is not just last night. I mean, in total body of work to 
five games here, man, but I think Brandon Clark is easily the MVP. And because again, a lot of times you people might say, oh, well, John, you saw he had 30 points. He's had a triple double, a couple games where he was one stat away from triple doubles, like I think tonight in, in one of the games in Minnesota. Uh, but when you talk about most valuable, a lot of times it's not about who scores the most. It's about who's had the biggest impact. And again, I don't think they're not up three, two at all. Not even close in this series. If it went for Brandon Clark, I mean, he's been absolutely huge out the bench for them. Yeah, just, just real quick to add to that. Just in a series where James Jackson has not been able to stay on the floor yeah. and Stephen Adams yeah. has basically been, you needed a big to Great stand points. up and, and to and to get these rebounds and to sort of grind it out. That you needed somebody with that mentality. You needed somebody with that energy. And Brandon Clark might be undersized in size, but his his vertical jump is just outmatched in a lot of ways that he plays. His game is sort of it's unguardable. It makes it hard to defend. I think uh the Carl Anthony Towns or or uh, Anthony Edwards that was talking about just that second jump that Brandon Clark yeah, has is just it, it it's hard to guard and so I think he's been the X factor because when you have when when a player has something that is virtually unguardable it ultimately becomes the X factor factor in the series and that's exactly what he's been for this team. Yeah, I mean Isaac called it boring, but. You're not going to get any argument from me at all. Yeah, I'm on the same page as you all. And that's something, you know, I try to mix it up sometimes to kind of argue a different point. But even outside of that fourth quarter from Ja Morant, Ja Morant, he looked better last night. He was attacking. Isaac and I were talking about it a little bit. But one thing that I tried to do at games, I found myself – getting caught up and trying to like live tweet the game to keep up with the podcast, to put content out. And I miss so much of the game because I'm worried about sending those tweets out. And last night I, I didn't go as media. I, I sent my season ticket seats because I wanted to be a fan at that game. And so, you know, I, I, I didn't message. I wasn't on Twitter a ton. I was reading a little bit, but Isaac and I were messaging a little bit in timeouts about that. And, and, he, he was getting downhill. He was attacking. But in the first half, John Morant was bad. Two for six from the field, two for yeah, seven from I the free throw line. And yeah. the, the biggest thing was four turnovers. He had four turnovers in that first half. Yeah. And I could tell he looked better in game five than he did in game four. I, I don't mind him being a distributor because the Grizzlies have some guys – on most nights that are going to knock down shots. And I wanted to emphasize on most nights because on most nights was not last night. They struggled. Um, but I felt like he was too passive in game four. If the John ja Morant that showed up in the fourth quarter of game five had shown up in the fourth quarter of game four, that would have been Theory's over. game over. 4-1, <laughs> we're moving on to face the Golden State Warriors more than likely, I know that series is not over, but that series is by all you know, like accounts over. Ja turned it on in the fourth, but but Brandon Clark has consistently been the energy off the bench, rebounding the ball, playing good defense. Uh, he he has been the anchor for this team in the series, and you would be hard pressed to give it to anybody else. I want to. Yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, you're good. If you got something else on that, you can go ahead, man. No, I was, I was about to about to make another point, but you're still talking about about BC, man, by all means. Yeah, no, 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 no. That that was it, man. You you guys pretty well covered it all. I didn't have anything to to add to it. He he's just he's been great. I actually I, I do 
my next question was about Brandon Clark, but I wasn't adding anything to what you all had said. I saw uh, Joe Mullinax and Parker Fleming with Grizzly Bear Blues. They're recording Grizzly Bear Blues live right now, and their question of the day is who should be the starting big next to Jaron going into game six? And so I want to hear your opinion on that. I know who I think it should be, but I, I want to hear what you guys think. And, and you guys may give me some crap for this one because I, I don't think that my answer is going to be who you guys think it is. That, that's an interesting question uh, because there's been a lot of talk here, especially after game five, and I, I've heard some national guys talking about it, kind of scratching their head and saying maybe they went away from Stephen Adams too quickly. Uh, that just because things kind of went south in that game one, that he's been your guy all year long. Uh, you rolled with him and kind of just pulled a plug on him that quickly that maybe they kind of made a mistake. Uh, now, I was surprised, uh, to be honest, going into the game five when when the, when the starting lineup came out and still had Tillman in it because I think it, it worked in game three. Uh, uh, but in game four, I, I think Minnesota kind of made the adjustments they were ready for it, and it just didn't work anymore. So I was just kind of surprised because in a playoff in a playoff series, you don't have a lot of time. This is not the regular season where you can just continue to let things play out. If something's not working, man, you got to quickly find a solution for it. So I was kind of surprised to see Tillman back out there in the starting lineup. Personally, I, I thought for sure he'd go back to, to Kyle at the four and Jaron at the five. I think that's where I would go. Now, I do think there was an opportunity to get Steven out of minutes on the floor. Uh, when Carl Anthony Towns was out for – a significant stretch with Nas Reed in the game. And I'm thinking, okay, this is a, a point where I think you could put Steven Adams in the game. And I think he could be extremely effective, especially on the boards right now. Yeah. And, and they just continue to play Tillman for a long time when he was really struggling during that period as well. So Brevin, Brevin has talked about this. I've heard him talk about this uh, today. He actually thinks that he might go back to Steven Adams on, on Friday to start and line up. I'm, I'm not so sure. I, I think, and weird as this sounds, and, and I don't necessarily agree with this, I got a feeling he might start Tillman again. I wouldn't do that. Personally, I would probably go with Kyle Aronson and, and Jared Jackson Jr., still keep BC off the bench because I like that energy, and get some, some minutes somewhere for Steven Adams. I think that's how I would, would handle it. But I got a feeling he's still going to start Tillman because that's just kind of what, what, what he does. That's kind of what, um, what Taylor Jenkins does. I mean, we've seen him make adjustments, but he's still – a guy that kind of sticks with some things once he kind of kind of does it. So we'll we'll see what happens. But I think I think I would go with Kyle uh, and, and Jaron Jackson Jr. But I got a feeling I know know where David is going. Yeah, I think I'd go. I think I'd do the same. So I think I'd go back with Kyle Anderson just because, like you said, as if they've made the adjustments to to Xavier Tillman and he's not as effective as he was. So if he's not going to be as effective, I think you just got to go back back with Kyle, who I who I don't think hurt you at all. I know that we got off to a bad start in that game that he started, but that, that wasn't because Kyle started. That was just, no. it was a bad start. And so I think that has to be taken into account. I, I would keep Brandon Clark on the bench because he's your only bench <laughs> at this point. I mean, yeah. you look at the box score, Brandon Clark had 21, Kyle Anderson had eight and, and Tyus had five and that's, that's it. And so you need something off the bench. Those minutes can't be scored. So you'll just, you get killed. And so as much as I think Brandon deserves it, because I do, 
think he deserves it. I just, in this matchup in particular, I don't think that it's best because then you won't have guaranteed production from anybody else on that team. You need something in those stretches, especially because those are going to be minutes without Carl Anthony Towns and without Anthony Edwards. Those are the opportunities that, that have to be taken mm-hmm. advantage of. And Brandon does that well, and he can do it when they when they are on the court too. And I think you need that versatility, particularly with bigs getting in foul trouble as often as they do. It also, you can take, take some of those fouls, you know, those fouls that you know, may have gone on Brandon Clark if he starts, might go on Xavier yeah. Tillman. And I think it, it, that may be some of the logic behind Coach Jenkins sticking with Tillman, you know, just somebody to take some of those fouls and give them more valuable minutes to other players later on down the stretch. I'm not sure if that's the best approach, but at least I understand it. If that's that, I also think he doesn't want to tinker too much with the rotations this late in the series because you do want to kind of get some continuity amongst your rotation players. And so that, that might be a factor as well. But I I, I don't think Steven Adams would be – I think it would be a mistake to start Steven Adams. I don't think – I think recycling old ideas that didn't work before and they have proven themselves. It's not just in this series. I mean, we can say it's quick, but – but Stephen Adams is, has historically not played well against Carl Anthony Towns. He's historically gotten ripped up in those series. And so I, I don't think you need to do a lot of, you know, that it didn't work. It proved that it didn't work. I do think that's an a, a interesting idea, and it could work, Isaac, in terms of putting him in when Carl Anthony Towns is not in the game and could it cause an impact that way. But I think if, 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 you, start, uh, if you start Adams, I think Carl Anthony Towns gets – too much confidence early. That's a mistake. You don't want him getting in a rhythm, getting him in a rhythm that early, especially if the Grizzlies do like they've been doing all series and they don't play well to start the game. They don't shoot well to start the game. That puts you in a hole faster than than they want to be, quite honestly. And so that's my opinion. I think you I think you bring Brandon Clark off the bench. If it were me, I would start Kyle Anderson. I, I don't know. Maybe play Tillman in spot minutes here and there as needed. And, and maybe – perhaps mix Adams in the rotation to see what he can give you on offense. Yeah, and real, real quickly, you know, offense, yeah, and, and quickly to, to your point, outside of the energy and everything that BC brings out the bench, which I one of the main reasons why I think he stayed there, I think he also kind of the thinking is the heads against Jared Jackson Jr. getting into early foul trouble. Because if you put both of those guys in there, say Jared picks up two and then Brandon picks up one, or you, you have a foul on him, then you're kind of looking at what am I going to do at that point? Uh, exactly. So I think that's, Kind of the main reason I like BC out the bench, and I think they definitely need to stick stick with that. And who closes matters, and who starts. Yeah, oh, for sure, absolutely. That's the you most know, important thing. That Tillman Tillman started and played 15 minutes last night. Well, almost 16. And Brandon Clark came off the bench and played 37 minutes. And so the the closing lineup matters so much more than the starting lineup. I've been campaigning for Brandon Clark to start all year long because of how effective this team is with him and Jaron Jackson on the floor at the same time. But I am not campaigning for Brandon Clark to be in the starting lineup. I agree with with you guys. You cannot Mm -hmm. take that energy guy off of the bench because you don't have it. If you you put X on the bench and you start Clark, is X going to have come off the bench and have the energy that he had in the game where he was so successful? I don't think so. I think that Chris Finch and the Timberwolves have done their homework on him now, and they've been able to kind of throw him off of his game. Not that Tillman still can't come in and be semi-effective, but you're not going to see him make such an impact, an impact like he did in the game where Jenkins brought him off the bench, and then all of a sudden, you know, he was playing great defense on Towns, rebounding the ball. I think he had like 13-7 and in that game. 
So, yeah, I, I agree with Kyle Anderson starting at the four, but I do want to see Steven Adams in the non-Carl Anthony Towns minutes because that um, I saw a stat today, and I apologize. I don't know who put it out, but Jaron Jackson – fouls 40% more when Steven Adams is not on the floor than when Steven Adams is on the floor. So if you can get minutes with Steven Adams and Jaron on the floor at the same time when Carl Anthony Towns is not on the floor, which in game six, I fully expect Carl Anthony Towns to play 40 plus minutes because this is win or go home. So there's not going to be, unless he gets into foul trouble, there's not going to be many non-Carl Anthony Town minutes. So, you know, you're, you're looking at 8, 10, maybe 12 minutes of, of no Carl Anthony Towns. And so that's not much. It, you know, you, you look at what Conchar, Conchar played two minutes and 47 minutes or two minutes and 47 seconds in game five. Jenkins pulling back off the floor. If you put Adams out there and he's out there for a few minutes and he's getting wrecked, get him off the floor. It's really that simple. I just – I can't justify as much as I would – been campaigning for Brandon Clark, would love to see Brandon Clark in the starting lineup right now with what he's doing coming off of the bench and with the points that you all have made. It's – I don't think it's a good decision to put Brandon Clark in the starting lineup. I did look at the poll that they had up for Grizzly Bear Blues, and it was something like 67% of people were voting for Brandon Clark to be the starter. And you could you you have plenty of things. We just said that Brandon Clark is the MVP of the series unanimously across the board. All of us agreed that that's the case. So there's plenty of evidence to say, okay, this is why you should start Brandon Clark. But there's plenty of reasons to not start Brandon Clark as well. We didn't see DeAnthony Melton at all in Game Five. DMP coached the decision. We don't know about. Zaire Williams, his knee, he was ruled out for yeah. the remainder of game five with right knee soreness. Knee soreness. My guess is they're going to be cautious with this. Even though it is the playoffs, they're going to be cautious with it because he didn't play that many minutes anyway. Do you think him being out is going to lead to us seeing DeAnthony Melton minutes? Yeah, I, I think he. I think you're going to have to play him some. I think Kyle's minutes – might go up a little bit, uh, but I definitely think you got to see uh, De'Anthony Melton. I mean, again, man, I, I just I, – I really hate this for De'Anthony because he was playing so well, and he, he's always had this narrative of him being a guy that doesn't show up in the playoffs, and that's exactly what we've seen. So, outside of one game, he did have a game. I think he had a couple threes in game two. Outside of that, I mean, he's just been a complete no-show. And to think about him, you call him Mr. Do-something, usually even when he's not scoring – you get a benefit on the defensive end. And in this series, he hadn't even done that. He's not giving you anything when he's been out there. So it, it, I do think with, with Zaire, if Zaire doesn't play, because I do I agree with David, I think they're going to be cautious with this. I do think he's going to get some minutes. And I'm just hoping that he comes in and, 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 and ends up being a spark uh, for this team. Just just knock down a couple of shots. But it's so weird because it's not like the, the minutes that he's got in the series that he's not getting – the same shots. I mean, he's missing open shots. Like, he's getting got some open threes and just not knocking them down. So, it has to be a confidence thing. It must be a mental thing that people are saying that I don't show up in the playoffs and we're in the playoffs and I'm I'm in my head. I'm thinking about this because it just doesn't make any sense for how well he was shooting that just you get to the playoffs and all of a sudden he can't 
throw it in the ocean anymore. Like that's just a weird thing. It has to be mental. Uh, but but I think he ends up playing because Sunchar played last night. Did play how many minutes did he did he play? He only played three minutes. Yeah. Did, didn't really didn't really give you much when he was out there. So I just think the ceiling for Melton is higher. Um, and I would give him one more shot. I think I, I've been kind of saying that I would give Conchar those minutes, but I think with Zaire going down, I think I'd give Melton one more shot because I just so bad want to see him see him be successful. Uh, in, in, in trying to kind of knock that narrative, but so far, man, that's that's just been the case for him, and maybe that's that's just always going to be the case. Would you be Perhaps opposed? I, I, I'll let you take off after this, Candace. I apologize. I didn't mean to go over you there, but would you be opposed to? All right, you look at it, you, you got a 10 man ish rotation last night. Zaire played four minutes, Conchar played two minutes and 47 seconds. With the way that Tyus Jones has played in this series, and yeah, you can come at me with the oh, well, he only had five points last night. He was very no, he still played well. Like he plus was 12. a plus 12. He was the best plus minus on the team. Tyus on the team. Yeah. He he did not like he turned the ball over three times, which is not like him. Very with, with the way that yeah. he played, why not just give Tyus Jones 26 minutes? Is there a case against that? Uh, you know, you know, like there, there's a lot of question marks about whether, you know, what is DeAnthony Melton going to do? And there's zero doubt in my mind that if DeAnthony Melton goes out there and gets hot, the Grizzlies could step on the Timberwolves' throat and this game would be yeah. over. And like, that's, what, that's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Like, I, I want that moment. So, yeah, so I, I would love like, to see it, it, but it, yeah. it's a huge if, man. It's a, it, it is a big, big if. Heading into the playoffs, I'm all about DeAnthony Melton getting minutes. I was hoping he would get more. But after seeing what he's done in this series, I, I don't know, man. I, I won't say that I've lost complete confidence in him, but they've got to figure out what's going on. Like, why – is it the pressure of the situation – what what's going on that's leading to him? Just I mean, I I could go out there and probably throw a shot up closer than what he is. Not likely because I'm five foot nothing and two hundred pounds. But I mean, like he he just he does not look like himself at all. Yeah, a couple couple things on that. So I if 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 I had to, I might divide the DeAnthony Melton minutes with Conchar still to see just who might give you more. But I, I think I like your idea better, David, in terms of just playing Tyus and giving, hope, giving him a lot of those minutes. But I, I, I credit uh, in the Twitter spaces and I credit young Harriet for this, but she brought up a good point about DeAnthony Melton. And that's just that he's not he, when he even when he's doing things on defense for the team. Typically, it's it, it has a lot to do with the pace of the game. He causes chaos. That's sort of his thing, deflection, steals, and transition. He sort of thrives off of that. His on-ball defense has, has never particularly been strong. It's just his ability to get turnovers in transition that's a big part of his game, and that's what Grizz Nation sort of knows him as and doing more than anything. It's Mr. Do Something. That's how he got that name. And so I don't think that that jump or that ability to transit to transfer that over to the playoffs is, is really there because the opportunities aren't there like that and he thrives off of that especially in this series in particular that's been plagued by fouls and, and that we can't expect that to end you know the final two games of this one hopefully one game of the season we hope but we can't expect that to, to, to just suddenly change as late into the series the patterns are the patterns so there's that and then there's the fact that it speaks to again 
DeAnthony Melton is a rhythm player. So yes, part of it might be mental, but he's always been that way. It's been consistent when he comes off injury, when his rotation minutes change. So any situation, the situation has to be correct. And we have to remember that. And so when you're talking about DeAnthony Melton having a higher ceiling in general and in the regular season, he does. But he's shown year after year after year, even if it's not playoff situations, DeAnthony Melton has to be in a rhythm. I mean, he's not going to be able to get a rhythm in this playoff series or in any playoff series for that matter, um, because it's too dependent on the rhythm and that changes. So I don't, I would still prefer not to play DeAnthony Milton just because I think that you're not, you have at the same time, you have to understand the players that you have and what gets them going and what doesn't. And I love to see DeAnthony Milton. I, I died on that heel, DeAnthony Milton heel that he can pull it out and that he at some point he come back out and he does, like I said, in the regular season, because he has the time to do that. But in the playoff series, play your best players. As Tyus Jones, Conchar hasn't given you much in the couple of minutes that he's gotten, but honestly, he hadn't gotten that much of a chance. But but even if you don't go that direction, I, I, I'm i with you, David. Play Tyus. Yeah, and to add to the, to the Tyus thing, there, there was a time where when any time Taylor Jenkins would put Ja and Tyus on the floor, I would absolutely cringe. I was like, what are we what are we doing? But yeah. as of late, late in the season when they did it and in the series, I don't, especially in this series, I don't have any problem with it at all because I think with the way it's physical as Minnesota's been defensively and the way they guard, having two ball handlers on the floor is not a bad thing at all. It works when, when they've done it. So I, I don't, I don't and especially, and we, we've talked about the minutes in this series. We've seen all other coaches and all other series kind of play their main guys major minutes. And up until last night, we hadn't seen that uh, with, with this team. They've kind of still kind of spread the minutes out. But last night, man, you got Morant Bain, both playing 45 minutes. Uh, Dylan played 36. The BC played 37 off the bench. Uh, so, I mean, with, with Ja playing 45 minutes, it's not like there's going to be a whole lot of minutes when he's off the floor anyway, where you have to have Tyus out there exclusively. So, there, there's plenty of opportunities to play them together. So, I, I think you could definitely up Tyus minutes 26, 27 minutes, and I don't think you have any problem. Because, again, I don't have any problem with the minutes with them on the floor, especially in this series, kind of with the way that Minnesota's been guarding. So, yeah, I, I like that idea a lot. Yes, especially because he, he can knock down the occasional three, too. And I yeah. think you, you need that. D'Anthony Milton's not giving that to you. John Conchar hasn't really had the opportunity to give that to you. But Tyus has shown the ability to be able to do that, particularly in critical moments. And so I think that is your best. And I think it, it takes some load off a of job. I think that makes a big difference with his energy level in the fourth quarter when they're closing games is when that, that combo has been most effective. It's worked in general, but it, it's most effective when teams are keen in on him and he's got sort of that, that relief valve in order to keep the offense flowing for him to be able to move freely and, and, and flow. I think that works quite well. And just a, something that people might've forgotten. I think that the that last game that the Warriors and the, the Grizzlies played at the FedEx Forum, I believe that Tyus also closed in those minutes as well. And that was effective yeah, in did. terms of how they were clean on the job. It was a big game and Tyus came in and he had a great impact and he helped close that game too. So it works, particularly in the playoffs with Tyus having developed a shot. I mean, he's just, he's just a smart player. He's heady. Usually doesn't turn the ball over. Did have three throwers last night, but usually doesn't turn the ball over. I mean, he's just a good player to have it on the floor in those moments because he's usually going to make really good decisions, whether it's, him trying to get in the paint to get to the floater, him knocking out a big three, or, or him making the correct read and break pass. I mean, he's just – it's going to make big plays, and he's one of the smartest players on the team. So it's its always good to have those type of guys on the floor in clutch moments. So 
I want to move from Tyus in that conversation now into Dylan Brooks and what he done last night. Oh, do you do you think like he he struggled? He was awful offensively (laughs) last night. I want one for ten from three. I will say this: out of his threes that he took. There was not many of them that were bad looks. No, they were open. <laughs> they just were not. Made it worse. He, he in and really, out, man. In like, and out. In and out. Yeah, just just wasn't falling. He did his one three pointer that he did make came in the fourth quarter. It was a big three. It was a big one. You know, but yeah. the other nine that he missed were just just awful. And it, it's tough to defend my guy whenever he has a shooting night like that. But I will guarantee you that there's not a single soul on the planet that will look me in my face and tell me that the Grizzlies win this game without Dylan Brooks. Yeah. No, not, not for the impact on, on, on the impact on the defensive end. I mean, he even had to guard Carl Anthony Towns right. late in this game when, when yeah, Jackson Jr. fouled out. I mean, he does does it all. Like, like again, man, he's a guy that it's there t- at times he's gonna do some things that that upset you, but Someone told me this on Twitter earlier. It was a great point. He's a foxhole guy. Like, when you need somebody to be on your side, he's the guy that you want on your side. He might mess up a lot before the end, but usually he's going to come through in the end when you need him. And he's that type of guy because the impact that he gets on the defensive end is where he – and like you said, that big three. I mean, he's one of ten, but that one was a big one uh, that they really needed at that point. That's just the kind of guy that he is. I mean, I I was saying last night, man, stop shooting. Stop shooting, man, but it's just how not many, tonight. I know it's the playoffs. You got to score, but you want to score, but, man. But, again, man, he just kept with it, man. He made some plays that stretch like he usually does. How many off nights does D'Angelo Russell have to have before you give him credit for what he's doing on him? <laughs> That's like yeah. – I know – just shut his water off. The, the game one we were talking about and Candace is like, you know, I kind of felt like Russell just ha- had a rough night. And, and I'll get, I like, I, I didn't fully disagree with that going into game one, but we're, we're five games into the series and D'Angelo yeah. Russell has not had a good game, not one. And a lot of that is Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks is just, he's in him. He, he's physical. He's bumping him. He's four art. Like he's hitting him every time that they get close and D'Angelo Russell is feeling it. He is not a physical player, and Dylan Brooks is wearing on him, and it, and it's great. I'm glad to see it. I, I wanted him to stop shooting the ball last night because it just wasn't falling. He made that one three late. I was happy that it went down, but I will tell you, I had zero confidence that it was falling when he released that shot. They kicked him the ball. He was wide open, and I'm like, oh, dear Lord, baby Jesus, please. And it went in, so I, you know <laughs> – it he made it when it counted. Um, Jaron fouled out. It was there were seven minutes left in the fourth. The Grizzlies uh, were down man. eight. What are we gonna do about Jaron? Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting to that. I I had a bad feeling. Like when Jaron fell out, when he fell out with seven minutes left, Brandon had been playing great. Ja at that point had not really turned it on yet. He he had kind of started doing a little bit. They, they were making a run to get back in it, only being down eight after I think they started the fourth down, what, like 13, 13. I believe it was. Yeah. So, you know, they started to chip back into it. But the, it always felt about like – I think it went up to 13. I think it was 11 after the job dunk. Then they went back up to 13, 13 with 13. their big lead. Again, yeah. yeah. Fourth guy. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I remember messaging Isaac during the game. That I'm like, man – 
they cannot seem to get over the hump. They would get there. They would get stop after stop after stop and be one bucket away from either tying or taking lead. And they couldn't get over that threshold. They couldn't kick that door down. Yep. And when Jaron went out, I'm like, man, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I was not confident that the Grizzlies were going to get back into it. Yeah. And um, it, it just shot started fall. You know, Jot Jot just took over. There, there's no two ways about it. You get to the fourth quarter, Jot took over. But I don't want to go back into Jot. We can touch on that a little bit more before we get out of here. But Jaron, his sixth foul specifically on a three-pointer from Carl Anthony Towns, his fifth foul on a pump fake from Tarian Prince. Why? Bro, you're That's seven cool. foot tall with a 47 and a half foot motherfreaking wingspan. Stay on the floor. Stay on the floor. He I'm Tarian Prince, me, man. He almost made me drop an F-bomb in the middle of the podcast. But it was that upsetting. Like, yeah. the coaching staff, somebody like Steven Adams, somebody needs to grab him. And be like, keep your feet on the floor. Make them alter the shots. He wants to block everything, and it's great. He has some show-stopping blocks. Some of the blocks that he comes up with on the defensive end, for me, are just as exciting as the dunks that we see from John Morant because of his athleticism that he shows to get to that spot to block the shots. They're great. They change the game, no doubt about it but 17 minutes and 47 seconds from your second best player in a playoff series, you, you, you have to be better. Somebody's got to get it in his head to stay on the floor, alter the shot. You don't have to block everything. Yeah. Can I, I just want to point this out. Desmond Bain had three blocks in that three last blocks, game. Yeah. And yeah, he had I three fouls. All right. Yeah. He didn't foul out. You can get blocks in the game and just be disciplined yeah. enough not to do that. Especially, and Desmond Bain has short arms. So if Desmond Bain can can get three blocks and only get three fouls, then I have the ultimate confidence in Jaron Jackson Jr. My goodness. I just don't understand for Jaron Jackson Jr. At this point, I'm convinced it's mentality only because we I've seen Jaron play better than this. Jaron had Jaron hasn't played to this level of just undisciplined consistently in quite some time. I think he's regressed in a lot of ways. I think his emotions get the best of him often. And because the patterns and the trends are the same, I think just the atmosphere of the playoffs get to him because he's an emotional player and he sort of wears his emotion on, on his sleeve. And I think that that will deter his progress, particularly in the playoffs, because it's not like, don't get me wrong. The team would like some offensive uh, output from him. But if he could just stay on the floor, it'd make all the difference in the world for this team. But he just can't seem to do it. And it's got everything to do with his mindset and not a lot to do with anything else. Imagine where we would be if Jaron had played well in the series. Imagine where 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 this team would be right now. Because, I mean, they essentially got – yeah, up over their feet up waiting, waiting for the Warriors. But it's, it's, it's maddening, man, at this point. And it's definitely mental. Uh, like I said, we've seen – Jared play like this, and it's Candace said to me, he's regressed. And the thing with him and people, even when he's on, even when he plays a lot, people are like, oh, well, he didn't have 20 points. He doesn't need to have 20 points. If he could just stay on the floor, his impact on the defensive end, I tweeted out early in the game, when Jared on the floor, you get stopped. When he's not, you don't. And that's pretty, pretty true when it comes to this team. I mean, it's it's immeasurable the impact that he has on, on the defensive end. People just 
won't look at the numbers. I mean, if he could just stay on the floor, if he could just knock down a couple threes, give you 10 points, 12 points, and, and do what he does on the defensive end, he makes up for not scoring 20 points. He doesn't have to do that. Guys that are as good as he is, that have the impact that he has on the defensive end, you don't need a huge offensive output from him. It would be nice. That's good when he has these games where he has 25 points and 10 rebounds and, and five blocks. I mean, that's fantastic. But he, they don't have to have that from him. I mean, they're winning games right now with him virtually not giving you anything. So imagine where this team would be if he was playing well. Now, if they, they're able to advance and get to the series where we think it will be Golden State. I think Denver's going to come back and win three in a row. I think he, he will have an easier time against Golden State than he does against this Minnesota team uh, because they don't they don't have – a guy like Carl Anthony Towns that you worried about so much offensively on the inside. So I think he could have a big series uh, against Golden State if they, they do get there. But, man, it, it's, been, it's been tough. Um, somehow they've been able to, to build this 3-2 lead without him give, giving them anything. But if he had a big game, I think they could beat this team easily. I, I think they would be, like you said, I think we were talking about four or five games if he was playing well. Uh, so you just hope to see him kind of get out of this, man, because you just hate to see it. And, and you can you can see it. I mean, he wears it on his sleeve. Every, every, with every call, he's just in his head. You, the guys have talked about it throughout the week about how they've been trying to pump him up and they're talking to him, telling him how much they need him. And to this point, man, it, it just hadn't worked. And I think the playoffs, the moment, and him thinking about the fouling, I just think it's got in his head, man. He got to, he has to find a way to get out of this. Still super young. I think a lot of people forget that. But I mean, he's been around long enough now, and those his importance to this team, and they just. Need him to be better, um, and, and hopefully that happens on Friday night. I, I don't think anybody's super optimistic at this point, but 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 you never know, man. I, I just want to see him get out of this. I think you, you you have to point to the youth, and, and I don't want to make excuses. I don't want to. I'm not giving him a pass. He has to be better. But I, I think uh, the majority of this is just youth, and that's one thing. This is the second youngest team in the league, and they're winning this series three to two, and they have not really played well outside of what was it, game three in Minnesota when they had the blowout? Was it game three or game two in Memphis when they had the game, blowout? Game two, game two in Memphis. Okay. So, outside of that blowout win in, in Memphis, this team has not really played all that well, and I, I just I've not given up on Jaron. I think that he can figure this out. I don't know what has to happen. Something inside of him is going to have to click in order for it to happen because I, I don't know if, if the guy is telling him, hey, we need you, if that's giving him a sense of insecurity, like I have to go and do this because they need me to do this. They need. They just need him on the floor. His presence, yeah. his, you know, his ability to contest, even if he's not blocking shots, is enough to make an impact that's going to be positive for this team. And, you know, I, I hope that he figures it out during this playoff run because in order for the Grizzlies to not only make it out of the first round, but to make a deep playoff run, which is what we all are hoping that they are going to do, he's got to figure this out because you – I go back to the bubble. Look, look at what he done in the bubble. I remember before he goes down in the bubble, he makes a huge shot against San Antonio to seal the game. So – I don't think that this is a pressure thing. I don't think that this is so much. He has that clutch gene. He has it in him that he can play, he can thrive, he can do well in a playoff-type setting. It just hasn't happened in this series. 
Some of it is youth and some of it's the matchup. You know, I, I remember when we were discussing the, this playoff preview and who we wanted to face, I remember Candace talking about how tough this matchup would be for the Grizzlies and how she would much rather, you know, I, I think um, – I, I don't even remember who you picked. I think you went with the, the Clippers. Clippers. But because yeah. of the, the difficulty of this matchup. And, and I didn't – I didn't pick this team either because, you know, I, I just didn't trust Pat uh, Pat Beverly around Ja. Um, I, I wanted to see Utah. And by the way that Utah is playing, this Grizzlies team would have ran them out of the gym in four games. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think the Clippers, I think Utah or Denver, I think the Grizzlies are sitting back with their feet up right now. If it was either, either of those teams, I really, really do think that. And that leads me to, to one point. And one thing that's, that's, that's kind of pissed me off that, that people have kind of been saying during the series uh, is that this team looks nothing like the team that we've seen over 82 games. They're like negating everything and, and saying how terrible this team has been playing. And, and I, they, they haven't played well. There, there's no doubt about that. But one thing that I, I've said is every time somebody says that, I kind of cringe because this team kind of does. I know, I know Dylan Brooks didn't play in those four matchups. But there were four teams this season that has made this team look uncharacteristically bad. It's Minnesota, uh, Boston, uh, Dallas, and to a lesser extent, Atlanta. Uh, those teams against those teams, for some reason, especially Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota had a 40-plus point win at Target Center against this team earlier in the year. This team has looked bad against Minnesota all, all year. And, and I think a lot of people are looking at what's going on in this series and thinking the Grizzlies have regressed. And I don't. I honestly just don't think that's the case. Now, I'm not saying that they they if, if they get past this series, they're gonna 100 beat Golden State. But I do think they're gonna look a lot better. I think a lot of people are gonna say, okay, this is the crazy team we know. But for some reason, Minnesota just makes them look like this. They've had trouble with this team all year. They they do a good job of blitzing Ja Ja. At all the teams in the league, Ja struggles the most against this Minnesota team. They have a recipe that has worked against them for the most part outside of of, of, of the, the the late second second quarter on in game two. And when he took off last night in the fourth quarter, he's really struggled in this series and has not found a way to kind of get to his spots and, and score and has trouble finishing the rim and hasn't been getting the calls. Golden State's not going to be able to do that. If, if they go against Golden State, they're not going to be able to blitz him in a way that this team does. He'll be able to get downhill against that Golden State team. Yeah, they, I, they I don't just, have the just, length. They no, don't they have don't have the, the personnel. So I just – Every time someone says that, I'm like, yeah, I mean, they haven't played well, but have they ever played well against Minnesota? I mean, that's that's the thing. I think people are kind of taking this as – because somebody said – the other day I saw someone said the Grizz are the worst two-seed ever or something. Somebody told me on, on Twitter. I'm like, man, I'm telling you, this is – I feel like this is not 100% this, but I feel like this is a lot – has more to do with the matchup than it does being that the Grizzlies are not the team that we thought they were for 82 games. That's, that's, that's my point on that. What's up, guys? It's David. Before we go any further, I've got to take a couple moments here to tell you about our new partner at Ethos Grizzlies, Ember and Valor. Ember and Valor specializes in beard care products. Let them take your beard to the next level with their easy two-step process. You get started with the beard oil to condition your skin and prevent the dreaded beard itch. You finish it off with Ember and Valor's Beard Balm to condition and shape your beard. Go over to emberandvalor.com right now and use promo code ethosgrizz for 25% off. 
Let them get you the beard you've always wanted. Emberandvalor.com, E-M-B-E-R-A-N-D-V-A-L-O-R.com. Promo code Ethos Grizzlies for 25% off. I've got to run it by you one more time. I can't allow you to miss it. 25% off at emberandvalor.com right now using our promo code Ethos Grizz. That's E-T-H-O-S-G-R-I-Z-Z at emberandvalor.com for 25% off of all of their products. Ember and Valor makes all of their products using all natural ingredients. Get over there, check them out, use the promo code, let them know we sent you. You will not be disappointed. Emberandvalor.com. Look good, feel good. I, I would agree with that. I, and I would say, I think it's exactly right. You, you guys both mentioned it. It's for this team in particular, it's personnel and it's size. That's what this team struggles against. They mirror each other in a lot of ways. And so that the, the athleticism and the youth and the energy and all that's going to be matched on top of the fact that their strengths, they they are the weaknesses. Or they sort of they sort of automatically expose the weaknesses of this team, their three-point shooting, that mentality, uh, and their ability, like I said, just to guard them just with size, sheer size. They're they're it makes it more difficult for them to get their shots, their length. It just makes it more difficult. And while this team is not particularly a great shooting team, they they never have been. They short showed some progress leading up to the the playoffs, but this team was not a shooting team. And the the when you add that on top of the chess match that the playoffs are, in the sense of they're going to game plan to take away your strengths, that's what that's exactly how you get this result. And that's how the Grizzlies look like the way they've been looking. But there's still qualities that this team shows no matter what. And, and so, like, you want to take this last game, for example. The Grizzlies normally win off second-chance points, fast-break points, out-rebounding their opponent, and getting more shots up. That's how they That's how they win. And that's exactly what happened in this in this matchup it, in game five. They had, uh, see, the Grizzlies had 23 fast second-chance points compared to the Timberwolves' uh, six. They had 19 fast-break points compared to the Timberwolves' 10. They had, you know, 94 possessions compared to the Timberwolves 83 and and with rebounding they were able to out rebound them 53 to 42 and so they did everything that they that they normally do to win did it look pretty absolutely not because this team has the personnel to match up with them and make them work for it make it difficult so the shooting isn't going to be efficient and the shooting isn't Sometimes just won't be there at all just because of that. But the Grizzlies are the better team. And we can say that they've gotten outplayed. But at the end of the day, in order to pull out those wins, you have to be the better team. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the way they were down and the number with which they were down and the time with which they had left to get back, a lot of teams just don't get past that. I, I, even other, I mean, I don't think any other team gets past that. You have to have the resilience. You have to have the the, the mentality. You have to have a lot of things, and and in depth, right? We talked about that in order to in order to get out of those types of holes. And people can say that Minnesota should have won this series, and yeah, I understand. Man. I understand why <laughs> they would say that. But here's the reality: Game Four could have easily gone the other way had just a couple whistles gone differently. Yep. And 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 to be quite honest. If the Grizzlies just get a few more shots down, it's not even close. So I think, I, and I understand, I'm, I understand why people say that the Minnesota Timberwolves should have won this series already, but they would have if they should have because they would have proved they're the better team. They're not. 
yeah, that's that that makes me mad. I I get what you're saying. When people say that, I'm like, okay, well, I could easily say that the Grizzlies should have should have won this series. I mean, they lost yep. uh, game three by one game game uh, four by one point. One. I mean, so I mean, they they would game series be over right now before one Grizzlies. And you look at how these games. People want to go back to game three and like, oh, well, the Timberwolves should have won that game. Should have, would have, could have. I mean, you Grizzlies almost won that game by double digits. It's not like they hit a shot at the buzzer or something and won that game. The Timberwolves lost that game. It doesn't matter whether they what happened in between. Was they up by 26, 25? The game ain't over to their clock hit zero. The Grizzlies won that game by nine points. It was up by, I think, 11 or 12 at one point late in that fourth quarter. I mean, Grizzlies won that game going away. So the excuses for that one that Timberwolves fans are all there while well, we should have won that game. You didn't win it. I mean, I don't, if you can't close the game out, you, you don't win the game. I mean, that's just how it works. So I think as easy as you can say the Timberwolves should be up in the series or should be over. I think you can say the same thing for the Grizzlies. You, you hit it. You said exactly what I was fixing to say are, are pretty close to it. Closing. What did the Grizzlies struggle with last year? Why could the Grizzlies not get more than one game from the Utah jazz? They did not know how to close the game. And that's what we're seeing from the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Grizzlies are the better team. The Timberwolves have no idea how to close games. They don't know where to go. Anthony Edwards made a freaking ridiculous fadeaway three from the corner to tie the game last night. And in this series, I I hate everybody else that's wearing a Timberwolves uniform, but my respect for him has gone through the roof. He is – he's that guy. And and I think that if I'm Minnesota – he, he's the guy that has the keys. Carl Anthony Towns, take your charming ass down the road. Anthony Edwards, it, it's your team. So I, they, they're not going to get rid of Carl Anthony Towns, obviously, but he, he Edwards has been fantastic. The Grizzlies know how to close games. They know what they need to do. This team has been through the fire. They walked through it last year learning with essentially the same personnel. These guys that are playing in the closing lineups all played together last year. So they know what needs to be done in order to close the games. And that's why the Grizzlies are winning these games. John Morant taking over in the fourth, but all these other guys doing the little things that have to be done to close the games. Minnesota lost that game. They they had a 20-point lead twice, and the Grizzlies fought back into that game. The Grizzlies earned that win. You call it whatever you want, but it's it's excuses. They're 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 like buttholes. Everybody's got one, man. (laughs) That there's you're not going to convince me that the Grizzlies did not earn that win. When you get down 20 points one time to have the resolve to stick together to fight back to get into that game, usually you get back into it. That that's great. Like that's phenomenal. But to fall behind 20 points twice and get back into it is unheard of, man. It's insane. And this team was able to do it. You can get mad at that if you want to. As Grizzlies fans, we're obviously not mad at it. But I've seen a ton of, of Timberwolves fans, oh, well, Rara, you know, just saying stupid crap. I, I know that you support your team. I, I, I get it. But Man. It, it was it was just as much the resolve from this Grizzlies team as it was a collapse from the Timberwolves in that game. Yeah, and, and, and Kat said it. Perfectly after the game last night in, in the post-game press conference, he said, we're so close, but yet so far. Um, and they just have it same way the Grizzlies were last year. They just haven't learned that. how to close games. The Grizzlies I, did, I didn't see his uh, – I didn't see his post-game presser. Did, did he start 
five super high. Then drop his voice real low again, like he was back to the high last night. He, uh, that post game press, that's ridiculous, man. You know, you know we just 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 won the game, man. It's job not finished. I'm like, come on, bro. <laughs> It was, on, it was the, the tone and everything changed, man. Like he was super, super high. And then the next word, he's like, you're trying too hard, bro. Say we're in Minnesota now. You got to come back to our house now. <laughs> I'm like, come on, bro. Man, it's so weak. But I, I think before we get out of here, I definitely want to mention the job Morant dunk. I think we'd be remiss to, to not mention that, man. That was insane. That I think. I think personally, I think he needed that. I don't think that was necessarily what got the game jump started, uh, but I think it got John jump started because I think after that dunk, he said, "Okay, I'm going to get downhill. I'm going to attack for the rest of the game." And he was in attack mode from uh, once he got into that fourth quarter. And I think that kind of unleashed him, and I'm hoping that's something that carries over into Game Six. Hopefully, that he comes out and tries to attack because I mean, he looked like he had early in that game, it like he had just given up. I mean, the body language was terrible. I mean, you could tell him the free throw line. I mean, he was just 100% in his head. You could see it on his face. He wasn't having fun. I mean, he he looked defeated. You could even, even in the post-game press in his, in his series, he's kind of, he hasn't been himself. Not only has he not been himself on the floor, he hasn't been himself off the floor either. Like in these presses, you can just tell that this series is really worn on him. Um, and, and I do think that, he, that he's, even though, even though that was a crazy play and we saw some stuff he did last night, I do think he was dealing with something might be getting better, but I mean, again, I don't, I don't think he's had any fun in the series. He's kind of gotten beat up, but I'm hopefully that what we saw last night gets him going and they're able to go to Minnesota and close this out behind a big game from him, man, because they they need that. I mean, he has not been that guy for the most part of the series outside of game two uh, and what we saw in game last the game last night. He just hasn't been been job. I mean, he knows that, and, and again, I just hope this confidence. He said it after the game, man. Call said call MF and twelve, man. That's that's what happened, man. He took over in that game, and I have so much respect for him because that's what superstars do. I mean, you have a game where you're really struggling, a series where you're really struggling, and you can just flip a switch and turn it on like that. Like most guys can't do that. You have to be a special type of dude to kind of flip the type of switch he flipped last night, man. It was just special to watch. And again, man, I think you get to another series against Golden State. It's I think it'll be a completely different situation, but I love to see that carry over to game six and him have a big game. Even though you look at the numbers and it's 30 point, almost one, one assist away from a 30 point triple double last night. I mean, that's still crazy stuff, even in the game where he didn't play well for, for 80% of He turned into surgeon 12 in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Like he would just, just cut him up, man. like <laughs> doing anything and everything that he wanted to do. And, and that, that was crucial, man. Man, I, knocked out all I the free throws looking... in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I mean, he yeah. just turned with his, superhuman, his, man. Everything. Like, he was relaxed. When he got to the free throw in the fourth quarter, it's – you know, like, you see, uh, like, videos of people, they're, like, they're holding their hand out, trying not to let it shake. And it's like you see him in the first half of this game, the first three quarters of this game, and his hand, he couldn't hold a glass of water in his hand because he would spill it. And then the fourth quarter, it was just stone cold still. He oh, got to that free throw line, dude, and he would just – Boom, and that's a, he missed one free throw in, in the second half. Um, it, it just I think that's right. I wrote it down. Yeah, he missed one free throw in the second half. The majority of those were in the fourth quarter, but it, it was it was insane to watch. I have to disagree with you. you. You know, you said that dunk didn't really get the game turned around, and I think 
if that dunk does not happen, that this series is going back to Minnesota and Minnesota's got a chance to close it out in game six. I really, because uh, one thing that I wanted to talk about, and and I'm not going to go into that now, I'm going to let Candace talk about Ja a little bit here, but I've got something, one more thing that I want to talk about before we get out of here. And we apologize, we're running a little bit long, but this was, this was a legendary game. And, and Candace and I were both lucky enough to be in the building to see this happening. When, when you go back and you listen to the history of what has happened in John Morant's career, this is going to be a part of that story, no doubt about it. So, Candace, go ahead with John, and then I want to talk about something else, and then we will wrap this dude up. I'm disappointed with both of you. I really am. I mean, you guys are just being so short-sighted. A life was lost, man. Malik Beasley, <laughs> he was absolutely murdered. I mean, you, you can't Check just talk mate. about the dunk and not talk about Malik Beasley. We lost a life, guys. We, we have to acknowledge and give respect to the man who, who made a decision, and it ended his basketball career. We just have to we have to talk about that. I, I don't know what made Malik Beasley see Ja coming, get away from his first man, and, and choose death. I don't know what made him do that, but I just think we need to keep him and his family in our prayers. Obviously, uh, it, it's, it's a difficult time for them all, and I just think we can't just talk about Ja and not talk about the other side. That's so important. I think that got lost in all of this. So I'm just ashamed on you both. Oh, I'll do better next they- time. Yeah, somebody, I was thinking his Wikipedia page, and they had John's dad on there, because that father, <laughs> John Moran of the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, man, it, it's, yeah, man. And John, they asked John about, John was asked about it in the post-game press last night. He said he wouldn't even really press with the dunk. He said it was over guard. And he said he'd, he'd be excited if it was over center. So you know how John is. But the reason why I said that, that I didn't feel like that necessarily changed the game is because Minnesota had their biggest lead of the game after that, into the fourth quarter. I mean, it, it was still... Early in that fourth quarter, it's not like the Grizzlies just took off from me. I think the excitement, it definitely got the fans back into it, and it definitely got Ja back into it, which if Ja doesn't get back into it, they don't win the game. But I'm just saying it's team-wise. I don't think they even talk about it. Tim Jenkins said they didn't even talk about the dunk in the the, the, the in-between quarters between the third and fourth. Just, that, was, that was kind of my thought on that. But before we get out of here, I do want to ask you guys one question. Uh Oh, and I know David, David, David said he wants to talk about something else, so I'll go ahead and talk about that first because this is kind of a, a finale type of question. The getting the energy, you, you talked about it bringing energy, and that, that's exactly what I wanted to talk about because I saw some discussion about the crowd at the forum last night, and, and I've got to tell you, the I have been in games prior to that fourth quarter. I was in a limited seating game where the Grizzlies were playing the Spurs and that crowd had more energy than the crowd that was at the forum last night in the first three quarters of that game. It, it was, it was really disappointing. And, and I think Candace, I saw you, you tweeted something out about it. I think early in that game about the, the energy just wasn't the same as what you saw. Was it game one or two that you were at? Uh, I was at game two and then I was there at, at yeah, game again, at game five. Yeah, but it, like the fans were, I was really honestly and truly disappointed in, in the fans because I didn't feel like there was, there was not much energy in that building at all heading into that prior to that dunk from John ja Morant. And so that's why, you know, if, if that dunk doesn't happen, I don't think this game turns around because that got people up off of their, like out of their seats. And I will tell you, my section did not sit down for the rest of the game. We stood the entire fourth quarter 
most of us. There was a couple crybabies that didn't. And if you listen to my podcast, you suck. I don't like you. I hope you never sat behind me again. But keep listening to the podcast, though. But, yeah, uh, yeah, keep listening to the show. <laughs> you, can, you can listen for Candace and Isaac. But I, I was, was going to say, they, I think it was Bane, and I think it might have been uh, Brandon Clark was asked about the crowd after the game. They asked where they beat out the crowd, and they kind of were non-committal on it. They said, yeah, but they kind of implied that they did, they wanted more. Uh, and, and that's not something that we're used to. I mean, the playoff crowds in Memphis have been insane. Uh, but I was watching on TV last night. Uh, but I, I've been in those those playoff crowds over the years, the grit and grind years, and that was you're not topping that atmosphere. And you could tell on the television outside of late in that game in the fourth quarter when they after that dunk and when they kind of started coming back, it, it it wasn't a normal Memphis playoff atmosphere. You you could see it on on from a television point of view. It, it wasn't even close. And I've talked to several people that were the other people that were in the building. And they kind of echoed those sentiments as well. You, you could tell the difference. Um, and Minnesota's crowds have been off the chain. Um, the Memphis, the security situation with the protesters and stuff in the six thirty start, I think, makes it tough for a lot of people. I know early in the game, a lot of the seats weren't filled. Um, it's kind of been a late filling crowd. I think that's kind of been an issue to kind of start the game. But those Minnesota fans, Bro, I give don't credit. no, like they, don't, they don't blame bit. that on six thirty. Memphis is never on time. I swear I to six, you. Six, I know. I, I agree with you. Six thirty makes it even worse. I, yeah, I think like, seven o'clock I, is. Yeah, I've been there to plenty of seven o'clock games where, like, I mean, half of the first quarter is gone yeah. before you even see people. Like, I'll look up and be like, "Man, they sell any tickets for this game?" And then, like, four minutes left in the first. Okay, and now everybody's here. So I, I think that yeah, maybe the six thirty start had a little bit to do with it. But even if it was a seven o'clock start, Memphis was still going to show up to that game late. It's just it's what happens. Well, it's not been it, that bad with the other playoff games. So I'm, I do hear you. And historically, that's that's been the case. It's been a little bit better since the since this team has picked up some momentum. It has it has improved in terms of getting them on time. If it's a seven o'clock game, but the six thirty the start made it impossible. And I was wondering the same thing when I was there. I said, "Oh boy, did anybody uh anybody come tonight?" Uh, yeah. It was sort of empty and the energy was low that they couldn't really, I mean, you could tell just during the halftime and in between timeouts, they try to get the crowd involved. But I think just the, you just feel kind of the disappointment. Just, I mean, I think every, I think game four was such a letdown for the city and it, and it sort of showed. I, I think they just didn't come in not knowing what to expect. I, I think the crowd was sort of just kind of anticipating to see what happened. They were, I think the crowd was looking for from something from the team. And I think the team was looking from something for the crowd and it sort of just, uh, it didn't it didn't work out too well on either side until you know that dunk. So I I think I side on the side of David, and I know it wasn't an immediate impact in terms of the score, but I think in terms of life, that it made all the difference. It was the only lifeline that the that the Grizzlies, the team, or the fans had. Sometimes it's hard. I was gonna say real quick. Sometimes it's hard to kind of get a broad scope of the, of the crowd watching on television. How well how well did it fill in? Because looking at it that night before early morning looking at tickets there were a lot of lot of tickets available like how how well did it fill in last night i mean yeah i thought it was pretty full yeah yeah Yeah, eventually it got there it says sell out on the box yeah there were a lot a lot of resale tickets left i mean a lot of them in lower lower end of the bowl uh like in the middle like noon that day there were a lot of tickets left so hopefully i'm glad people hope looks like they bought them up so that that's a good thing 
Yeah, I, I don't think that there was I, – I don't remember seeing – you know, sometimes you can look across, and especially when they have the growl towels, because it makes it easier to yeah, see yeah, the seats. It's easy to see where the seats are yeah. empty. Yeah, and and I, don't, I don't remember seeing many – I don't know that there were any empty seats in the lower bowl at all. Like, there was some, like, uh, up in the, the terrace level. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, but I, I, overall, it was pretty full. It shows, a, like, the, the attendance at 17,794. And if I'm not mistaken, like, that's considered a sellout because it's within 10%. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think, like, absolute full capacity in the forum is, like, 18,300-something. I think it's 18,023, or if they change, that's what it was. Okay, yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's just slightly it. over eighteen thousand, but you know it, it was yeah. it was pretty full, man. But that's what I said. Like I think the energy from the crowd started off okay early, but but it faded quick. And and in that middle section, a lot of it's because the way that they were playing too. And and I think yeah, that, it was uh, brutal, man. Uh, NBK said something on, on Twitter. She's like, if they want more from the fans, they better get out there and start playing like they want more from the fans because there was zero energy from that team through the middle part of this game. And that's, you know, the Dylan Brooks missing shots, Jaron Jackson Jr. picking up the fouls. Like, that that took a lot of gas out of people. There were a lot of people in my section. Um, Jaron, they were not so much on him. But when he picked up that fifth foul on that pump fake from Tarian Prince, man, there were a lot of people in my section. Uh, you know, they need to get rid of him. They need to start looking for a replacement. Like, they were rolling on him quick and stuff like that while it is a playoff series and you should be bringing the energy stuff like that was taking the wind out of the cells. Yeah. It was hard to watch in the middle of the game, man, the missed free throws, just the, the, the body language was bad. And like you said, every, it seemed like every time the Grizzlies would, would have a little energy, have a little spurt, they'd have a, a terrible possession and Minnesota mm-hmm. would go down and hit a three call in towns would hit a three. And it was just, just hard to watch. I mean, there was really, I understand, like the guys want to feed off the crowd, but the the team has to give you something to to feed off the to feed off of as well, and they just weren't giving anything. I mean, everything was bad. They were missing threes. Three pointers are big, big for the crowd. When you're locking down threes, you can really get the crowd in. They were just missing shot after shot. I mean, they would have op- uh, situations where they miss three, get the offensive rebound, miss another three, and get fouled, and you're like, okay, well we're down eight, man. Knock down these two free throws, down to six. I would go and miss two free throws. It was just brutal. To, mm-hmm. to watch, man. It was hard to watch at home. I mean, it was like pulling teeth. And I like I was frustrated as hell, man, watching watching that game. I was like, man, are they really gonna let them come in here and take a three-two lead? Man, it was it's just even though this has been a tough matchup, man, that's just not what you expected last night. Uh you felt like after losing game four, but battling back like they don't lose by one, you're like, man, they're gonna come home and take care of business and do three quarters. It just didn't look like that was gonna happen. Um, so yeah, they were able to pull it out, man. But again, man, this Series has been taxing, man. Mostly, I mean, and their their fans. But I had no idea. Like their fans were this wild, man. They're just. I know. All, I know. All fan bases have wild fans that they say crazy stuff, and there's going to be some that aren't like that. But the ones that I've seen on Twitter, man, they come at this thing super delusional. I guess it's been a long time. They've only been to the playoffs twice. I think it's the second time in 18 years. So they've been ready for this, but they came into this this. Series talking stupid, man. They were talking sweet, uh, just saying all kind of crazy stuff, man. Saying that they, they should be favored in, in every game, and that they're, they're, the refs—the only reason why it's even whatever before they before the great one last night—the only reason why it's two-two and it's not they didn't sweep is because of the referees. I mean, they've been 
talking spice of the whole series. So we'll, we'll see how it turns out, man. But they came in this thing super confident. There's nothing wrong with being confident in your team, man. But I think you coming in as a seven seed, you should have some respect for the other team. And they didn't have any respect for the Grizzlies coming into this series. Yeah, I, I think that's like just the mouthy few, man. Honestly, like I, I can't say that I've dealt with a ton of Timberwolves fans, and, and I've seen this. Man, they've stuff been in my sure. matches, man. There, there are a handful, probably more than a handful of Grizzlies fans that I don't even know really that I would consider them Grizzlies fans because I'm not sure how long they've been rooting for the Grizzlies. But there, there's some, there's plenty of folks that that I see on Grizz Twitter that talk wild too and, and so like I, i'm not here to take up for the timberwolves fans because some of the crap that i see them saying i'm just like just shaking my head man that there's nothing else you can do like you, you're uh, i guess you're braver than i am or you i don't know i i can't deal with it man i'm i'm ready to fight these dudes get on here talking crazy it's like man you're behind the keyboards <laughs> like didn't just stop man you're you're not gonna say this stuff in person i would say that the, the couple that sat in front of me they went to game three in Minnesota, and they said they never sat down the entire game. They said the Timberwolves fans were on their feet the entire game until the end, you know, when the Grizzlies took that game over and ended up winning it by close to double digits. He said that they, they were there. The energy was better at the Target Center than what it was at the FedEx Forum for that game. So I was down to stand up the whole game last night. There were people that were not, but anyway, I, I won't dive back into that. You guys got anything else? I think we've uh, we've covered this thing top to bottom. I have no idea how long we went. Probably like an hour and a half, it seems like, but maybe not that long. We'll see. Uh, well, I do want to say, man, there there's going to be a game at, at FedEx Forum on Sunday, and the only question is who's the opponent going to be? Uh, the NBA is now if both Memphis and Phoenix advance, it's going to be game one. Of, of that series on Sunday, 2.30, uh, over at FedEx Forum. But if the Grizzlies do lose on Friday, it would be Memphis versus Minnesota game seven. So the question that I want to ask you guys is, does Memphis go to Minnesota and, and close this out on Friday night? Go ahead, Candace. <laughs> I, I really don't know. It's, it's such a toss-up. I'd love to say yes. I think it depends in some part on what Jaron Jackson Jr. does. If we can get it in at least 28 minutes on the floor, he only averaged 17 tonight, then I think my answer is yes. But I think my answer is dependent upon how long Jaron Jackson can stay on the floor. And if, I know Desmond Bain plays well on the road. If we can get just a little bit of, you know, a little bit from Ja, we'll see. But I, it's so this series has been so unpredictable. I, I'd love to say yes. I'd love to say they could take the momentum in and, and go ahead and kill it. But I thought they would do that going in from, you know, game – Game uh, three, to game four, yeah, game yeah. I thought I thought game four they go ahead and take that momentum and uh, you know ride it out. They had that twenty six point win. It's a great opportunity to go ahead and seize the moment, knock it out. And they had a lot of things come against their way. Granted, but because they lost that, I can't say with the same amount of confidence that they can go ahead and, and take this momentum into game six. I I think that they can go in and win this game. I think the double digit wins. And the series are done for, though. I think that it's it's going to be another close game. They have – I won't say they've broken the will of this Timberwolves team because as much as I dislike Pat Beverly and as annoying as he is, his desire to win is high. 
his drive to win is high. And I refuse to believe that he's going to let this team fold. And I know that he's not the scorer. I know that he, like, he is a veteran leader on that team. And I think that they are going to feed off of his energy and they're going to come into that game ready to play. They won't fold. I feel like the Grizzlies do close the series out in game six, but I think it's going to be another close game. Yeah, as Candace said, it's tough because I've thought a couple of different times, okay, Memphis, they've broken their spirit. They're, they're not going to respond, respond to this. Memphis is the better team. I feel like they're the more experienced team in a way, and this is it. When when they won game three and, and kind of the way they won that game, I was like, they're, they're, they're done. Like They're not going to come back and, and be able to, 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 to kind of get past that, and they've done it twice. Uh, they came out in game three and, and ended up winning that one. And, and for three quarters, three and a half quarters last night, we're able to come back and still play well. So this is just a bad matchup for this team. And I don't think it's just, as Stephen said, I don't think anybody's going to win by double digits in the series. This is just a bad matchup. And it's going to be a, a tough game no matter what. I don't think there's going to be any break of the wheels or a team laying down or anything. But what I hold on to is what I talked about earlier with y'all. I think that dunk really got him going. He got going, going downhill in that fourth quarter. And I'm hoping that's something that carries over into game six. And Candace talked about Jaron Jackson Jr. Like, man, when, when, when is it going to happen? Like, you're thinking, okay, if not now, when? And we've been saying that for a couple games now. I just kind of feel like if he could just stay on the floor. Again, we don't need – he doesn't have to score 20 points. It would be nice if he does. But if he could just stay on the floor, the defensive impact he has, if he could give us 10 points and just stay on the floor, I think this team wins. And I'm going to say – I'm going to say they find a way to squeak one out. Um, I don't think – I think on, on Sunday they'll be starting game one and be taking on the Gold State Warriors. Uh, so I'm going to say they get it done. I would I would put my confidence meter on that at 51%, though. 51%. Got to ride that bench, man. Ride that bench, man. man. <laughs> you, since when do we have Carl Anthony Towns on this podcast? <laughs> what is that? Man. It's, 50, hey, man, it, I'm going one way. I'm going one way, man. You can't go like 55, even 51. Okay, 54. Uh, 54. No, no, it's too late now. You already said 51. <laughs> All right, guys, we will wrap this one up. We hope you enjoyed this long show. We talked about a ton. Got a lot to look forward to. Yeah. Game six is in Minnesota. Hopefully the Grizzlies can go in there and take care of business and we get game one of the second round series Sunday at the Forum. If not, we'll see you Sunday at the Forum for game seven. Don't want that to happen. The show is on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at David W2111. Candace, let them know where they can find you, and then Isaac will get us out of here. Yep. You can find me on Twitter at Seahawks901. That's he is in Hawks 901 Excited, Isaac. Yeah, one thing I do want to say about that, that situation is if it does end up Grizzlies do close out, that is super unfair to the Grizzlies because if the Warriors win tonight, they're going to have three days off, and the Grizzlies are going to have one day off in an early – 2.30 tip on Sunday, man. That ain't that ain't right at all, man. I don't know how to schedule making stuff up with that, but that's not fair for the Grizzlies. I mean, the Warriors to possibly have three days to kind of sit because they're, they're gonna, probably going to be fair for the Grizzlies because they think somehow, somehow the Grizzlies are going to win one of these two games. So they're going to have three days to kind of prepare for the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies going to have a hard-fought game on the road on Friday night if they win. Got to come one day off and come and play a, a daytime game on Sunday. That's a Tough turnaround, but man, we'll, we'll see what happens. I see Warriors up 43 39 with 451 to go in the second quarter. Uh, Warriors Nuggets just scored 43 40 
uh, Warriors right now. I'm hoping the Nuggets find a way to pull this out, man. I think that would be fantastic uh, for a Grizzlies fan if they do advance. So, But you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. That's I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. Again, man, Sunday, whether we're talking about game one or game, game seven, we also have uh, keeping the game. We've got a Friday, game six in Minnesota, man. We'll be back for both games. So be on the lookout for that. Follow me, y'all. So until Friday, thanks everybody for listening.